Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Security Token Show, episode 23. My name is Kyle Sondland, and I'm joined with my co-host, Herwig Konings. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in and listening. And this episode, we've got State of the Security Tokens in 2019. It's the middle of December. We're wrapping it up here. we got a couple good episodes to close out the year, and then it's time for 2020, something we're really excited about. So we're going to give a little rundown on everything that's happened in 2019 for the security tokens and everything in the industry, which certainly has been quite a lot. Going back to some of the specific milestones and maybe a little bit of a review of the macro state of the whole ecosystem. But before we get into that, Herwig, I think it's time for Companies of the Week. That's right. For those of you who are new to the show, we do kick it off with some news, then some updates, and then our main topic. But before we do, we like to always give a shout out to those who are doing the biggest things in the industry, making the biggest moves. We do the show on a weekly basis. So this week, Kyle, I'm curious, who's your company of the week? This week, I'm giving it to Zen Energy. And so you may have heard of Zen before because we have mentioned them a few times on the show. They launched a token that is a security token for, called Zen Coins. And Zen Energy made the news this week because they announced a new acquisition of minerals and the rights to acquiring those minerals in a Texas field. So when we're talking about minerals, we're talking about natural gas, natural oil, and a lot of these natural energy acquisitions. And so what Zen does is they're acquiring a lot of these properties so that they can then, you know, obviously gather those resources and then sell those resources. And so as I've mentioned on the podcast before, I'm a huge believer in natural gas and energy as a high quality use case for security tokens because you're you're tying a high valued asset that's that's a real world asset to to the digital token and and historically energy has been a successful very successful investment. And so Zen Energy has now made their third acquisition of this year, and, and so they've acquired this, this mineral property in Douglas Prospect in Saxet Fields in Texas. And so this, this acquisition actually happened for 930,000 Zen coins. And so what's impressive to me about this whole acquisition is I actually really like the quote from the CEO of Zen Energy, Alastair Kaithness who said, quote, this will provide Zian Energy with a long-term asset for the company. As unlike leasing the property itself, the company now owns the minerals indefinitely in the oil field, which has produced over 100 million barrels of oil. He goes on to say, as we make every new transaction in Zian coin, we're starting to set a precedent on the pricing of each oil asset with our digital energy token. And so I really like the fact that they're, they're striving to build this new standard of value by actually making acquisitions with this this tokenized security of their company and making these acquisitions strategically that way. And as he said, he's, he's being proactive and trying to, to establish market prices based off of the actual assets themselves. So it's pretty cool. It's exciting. I want to learn more about these tokens. And they've done a lot of this privately in terms of their fundraising and a lot of their marketing. 
But I like to see what they've been up to. They also have a, a YouTube channel that they're they're relatively active on, which explains how they can, you know, how they're structuring their token to tie it to specific barrels of oil. They also explain how to use Etherscan to actually verify that these transactions are happening on the blockchain. I think they're doing a really good job to try to educate their market and their network in this technology. It's something that's kind of flown a little bit under the radar in a lot of our circles, and I think they've done a great job. So for those reasons, I'm making ZN Energy my company of the week. Really great choice, Kyle. I'm actually in full agreement that energy, specifically energy-based deals, are one of the great use cases of security tokens, mostly because also before today, that's another example of an asset class that was pretty much run by the, the individuals who started there. It's a very... Uh, private market. And so breaking into that asset class and getting exposed to those types of returns was very, very difficult, especially as a, an individual investor. So I think Zion is making it very possible to let everybody participate in this asset class. I think they seem to be doing it in a very institutional and professional way. And you know, you've covered them several times now throughout the show. So I'm very familiar with them and, and Alice there, and I think they're doing great stuff. I'm very excited to see what they continue to come up with in 2020. Yeah, so it's pretty exciting. And without further ado, Herwig, what is your company of the week? For me this week, Kyle, it was a company called Ledger. Now, for those of you who do not come from the cryptocurrency space, Ledger is actually a hardware wallet technology. So they've sold millions, millions of these devices to consumers who want to store their cryptocurrencies in a more secure manner. It's referred to as cold storage, which essentially we're talking about is putting your tokens onto a hardware wallet, no longer connected to the internet until you choose to do so. A USB drive, pretty much. Yeah, essentially a USB. And now Ledger is launching a software component to that called Vault, Ledger Vault, so that you can even connect to the web and connect your your ledger uh, and manage it uh, on their software there. Now, normally this has nothing to do with security tokens and we wouldn't have even covered it. However, in their press release, they specifically identified talking about security tokens and how their hardware will now support security tokens through Ledger Vault. This is partially in part due to a partnership with CoinStreet, Global Intelligent Trust, and STO Global X, which is, the I guess, both the uh, investment banking as well as exchange partner that's working with Ledger. In this case, I believe their focus is on Asian STOs. But uh, nevertheless, I think it's fantastic to see the crypto industry always acknowledge and recognize the security tokens. But in this case, we're talking about one of the major hardware custody wallet providers in the space, uh, in this case, Ledger, supporting security tokens, the first one to do it. I think that's huge. I think that's worth being recognized. So congratulations to Ledger for being my company of the week. Definitely. That's exciting. And we've talked about custody before. It's something that we can could go into great lengths about. But this Vault software technology should be even more applicable for security tokens than, than any other one, right? Because it doesn't quite matter as much if you lose your keys. I think so. You know, this is about making the financial world more mobile and more efficient. And I think from a decentralized finance or a programmatic finance perspective, 
Hardware wallets do have a role to play. I think they will be a, a part of that ecosystem and, and it's definitely important to specific types of use cases, especially when it comes to custody. So I, you know, I think this is major. Definitely, definitely. Now I'm going to go ahead and kick it off into our, our main industry news section here of the show where we cover last week's biggest news that's been submitted. We cover and track all of this information at stomarket.com slash news. If you have articles that you've come across yourself or news you'd like to share, please go there and submit it. In this case, I want to kick it off with some big news out of, out of Spain from Bank Santander, uh, which actually won our company of the, the week, I believe back in September. That's when they issued a $20 million Ethereum-based bond. Very, very cool stuff. You could see the, the, the full transaction. They've been working on a long time. Santander Bank is the 16th largest bank in the world. So obviously them pioneering in this space is a pretty big deal. And we've seen them active before with payments technology partner Ripple uh, and exploring how to use that technology. They've also invested in Securitize, a leading issuance platform in the security token space. And of course, this bond made big waves, earning them our company a week back then. Well, now they have gone ahead and redeemed that very debt security early. Uh, and again, the, the proof is in the pudding. I've even included, for those of you, again, who are new to the show, all the articles that we discussed is also in the description of wherever you're listening from. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you want to listen. You name it. Go ahead and either expand the description or, or look up the about You'll find all the links there, including the Etherscan address for this very, very bond, which is very, very cool to see. And, you know, they're very excited. John Whelan, the head of digital investment banking at Santander, and also happens to be the chairman of the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance, said on Twitter that this milestone is unequivocally proves that a debt security can be managed through its full life cycle on a public blockchain. Love that. You know, that, that's major, major news. It makes Santander also the first major financial institution to use a public blockchain to manage all aspects of a bond's issuance. So w without a doubt, I think this is massive validation for the security token community, the fintech community, the banking community. That blockchain technology is here. It works even on a public version. Uh, it, it can be successful. Very, very good stuff. Congratulations, John. If you hadn't already won Company of the Week for, for issuing the bond, <laughs> you, you probably would have won it for uh, redeeming it early and proving to the world that it works. Super exciting. Just as a slight note, if you maybe are unfamiliar with the crypto space, etherscan.io is a website that actually tracks every transaction on the Ethereum blockchain. And so that's the blockchain that that many issuers use to build on top of because it's very developer friendly. And so Etherscan, when you say that, or when we say Etherscan links are included, it's really just the receipt of the transaction, where it went, to who, and at what time. And so because of, of the fact that all this is public, we can actually go in and look and see about these specific debt securities that, that Santander Bank is using. We can actually see ourselves how those are performing, what they're doing, and where they're going. That's right. Uh, definitely, if you have never seen it before, take a chance, click on the link and see what that looks like. Next up, continuing the saga behind Libra, the never-ending story. Uh, this case, talking about a few updates to their white paper. Obviously, since they were announced back in its inception of June of 2019, the white paper itself has seen several changes. It seems like 
In this case, the changes are in an effort to prevent Libra from appearing to come off as a security, which is not surprising because there are two Texas senators that we've covered sponsoring a bill making stable coins and specifically Libra a security. And, you know, if that were to be the case, ultimately for Libra, more or less many, uh, me included, you know, are, are expecting that it would essentially make it impossible for Libra to successfully come to market. So it, it is not really unsurprising that they're making efforts to really try to avoid coming off as a security. Uh, in this case, it seems that the white paper has removed mentions of paying dividends back to investors from their investment token. Uh, specifically, in fact, the, the investment token may have disappeared altogether. Kyle did do a, a great overview of the two-token structure that Libra was bringing into market uh, back uh, uh, in the previous version of the show. But uh, ultimately, the, the quick synopsis of it is that essentially there were two tokens. One is the Libra stable coin, which was pegged to a second coin, the investment coin, which essentially represented a basket of very low-risk securities. We're talking about a number of different currencies and bonds and the like. Now, naturally, there was still some level of appreciation to that basket of securities. And so therefore, in order to keep everything stable, to the, the token holders and the pegged Libra token, they gave those uh, upside in the form of a dividend back to the investment token holders, hence why the investment token itself is a security. That's why we were very excited about it, that Libra was introducing a security at the time. Now it looks like that may be gone altogether. You know, there's naturally a bit of a conflict where investment token holders could want a riskier growth strategy, while, of course, the Libra stablecoin holders and users want a stable product that has, you know, you know, that they certainly can't control for one. So without being able to make an impact on that, that certainly brings in some questions to how that is structured. And now the rumor is that Libra may be pegging simply their token to the US dollar at a one-to-one -one ratio, getting rid of that basket and a lot of the securities concerns. All of these changes, you know, all again in an effort to try and not be branded as a security and come to market. It certainly has caused a heck of a stir with politicians, even governments and all around the world have reacted differently to Libra coming to market specifically with China also announcing that they are going to be doing their own uh, official stable coin backed by the government. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how all this plays out, specifically with the, the bill and how Libra ends up trying to come to market. It's worth ending on that they, they noted to say that they will not come to market without regulatory approval and support. So we'll see how that, this all plays out in, in early 2020, which is when they expected and were aiming to go live. Let's hope that it goes live then. It does seem like they keep pushing it back. It's a shame. It's a shame to see that they're, they're being forced to take steps backward. I think that there was an opportunity here to, to launch something very exciting. And, and I don't know, maybe, there's, maybe they're just too large and there's too many eyes on them for them to be able to actually facilitate this. Not sure. I, I understand that the, the, some of the concerns in terms of conflicting incentives but it, it's a shame. I was very, very excited with their two-token structure. I think it was going to work very well. So we'll have to see what they come out with in, in real product. And hopefully it's still something that people want to use. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
Um, in fact, Kyle, I, I just looked it up and we covered Libra and you covered Libra very well in our very first episode. Really? So go how check that, that out if you have a chance, Episode guys. one. Drill it in more detail. However, now outdated as it appears <laughs> has changed. Moving on, I covered a couple of weeks ago and my company of the week was a company called Figure and Provenance, which Figure is a HELOC or home equity line of credit lender that uses Provenance, which is a blockchain protocol to originate debt on chain. They were one of the first major lenders to, to, to come to market doing this completely as such. And I had announced a couple of weeks ago that that raised $103 million additional to the I think almost $100 million in previous funding that they had. Now, since that news had come out, uh, it's made quite some waves, uh, specifically with a lot more information coming out. Uh, we can now know that that figure to date has already lent out three quarters of a billion dollars in loans. Ooh. That's all on chain. That's absolutely awesome. And we also learned that this uh, funding, latest funding round, actually put the company into the uh, Illuminary Unicorn Club. So it is now worth over a billion dollars. Billion dollars. The round itself was actually led by a, a notable uh, individual in the space, Pomp or Pompliano, who actually will be joining the company's board, representing Morgan Creek, who also is the company that led the round into Figure. Yeah, so it's Morgan Creek Digital Assets, I think, That's led right. the round, which which. Anthony Pompliano is is a correct a managing will, partner, and he will partner be of. directly joining the board representing Morgan Creek, which is very exciting to to say the least. Uh, it seems like they're they're focused on doing all the right things to make figure and, and specifically Provenance one of the go to debt protocols for institutions and uh, the financial markets to come. So very exciting. We also know that Mike Cagney, who's the CEO of Figure and, and Providence had hinted towards potentially even doing their own public STO for Providence for, for people to participate in the round. No news of that since, but uh, again, congratulations to the company for now being in the Unicorn Club and of course, you know, bringing with their limelight a lot of attention on security tokens and blockchain technology as a whole. Next up, TokenSoft, who won our company of the week last week for helping Fidelity in developing what could be the first tokenized employee stock option plan. Now the company is in the news again for registering as a transfer agent with the SEC, joining Securitize, Harbor, and Vertala, who all received theirs in that order. We covered the benefits of a transfer agent and why Securitize first did it back in episode 11 of the Security Token Show. In this case, Tokensoft is both an issuer using their ERC-1404 standards, but they're also as well a custodian with their Knox wallet uh, technology. You know, in order to become what they are calling an automated investment bank, they said the transfer agent license is needed in order to do registered offerings, both out of demand as well as necessity. And Mason Bordo, the CEO, mentioned that they stand out amongst their competition because they do have that cold storage Knox wallet solution, uh, which is uh, not something that everybody else can offer. However, I did just mention that Ledger is coming into the market, so we'll see how much of a differentiator that remains. Mm. We also have some news from Upfest, which is a German-based service provider for blockchain and digital securities uh, and founded in 2017. The company recently announced a Series A for 7 million euros and claim to have 20 plus real world use cases being developed on their platform, Kyle. 
The company has developed APIs already, which I think it's always music to my ears. And I've <laughs> already claimed that 1,500 developers have interacted with their APIs, which is definitely a lot of usage. And from their announcement, Martin Cassing, the, the CEO, said the following, our challenge is not only building easy-to-use blockchain APIs, but rather produce would uh, rather create a product which needs to fit the regulatory environment without sacrificing on security or user experience. First, our focus will first be on making existing services as reliable and scalable as possible before extending our solution into the dimensions of tech, security, and legal. The long-term goal is building a more open and inclusive ecosystem to build amazing fintech applications. You know, it, as I said, it's always music to my ears when I see another infrastructure company raise money uh, especially when they have an API community growing on top of it. APIs are huge. It allows for proper scalability. It allows other companies to work with the development that other industry leaders have paved the way for. And so it's, it's just with an industry that is so reliant on so many outside factors, I think the best thing that we can all do is to, to provide the APIs for each other so that you know, the industry can continue to grow. So it's awesome. Yeah, and, and obviously blockchain and smart contract languages and the like are an even more advanced and sophisticated level of expertise. So if there are APIs for other developers that they can leverage to develop fintech applications without necessarily having to become familiar with those underlying uh, technologies, well, then I, I think that is more power to the world to, to go out and develop more cool technologies. Well so, said. Well said. Great stuff. We do have another major bank, in this case, the 25th biggest bank in the world, ING, announcing plans that they will provide crypto custody solutions, including for security tokens. Specifically, the bank told Reuters that ING sees increasing opportunities in both the stablecoin and security token sectors, in addition to being focused on developing digital asset technology to give clients a compliant way for entering the crypto space. There isn't much more to this story, Kyle, other than you know what, what's being said here. Uh, and this is why I, ING didn't really make the, the cut for Company of the Week because it is, a, again, a major statement to see the 25th largest bank in the world recognize the security token space. But uh, it is just that, so I'm excited to see what they come to market with in 2020 and how big of a focus it is on security tokens as much as it is just supporting basic crypto custody solutions as well. It's just more proof that the institutions are looking, that they're trying to find ways to work themselves in without exposing themselves to too much risk. And so it's exciting to see the more that we can acknowledge it, the more that we know that it's coming, the more risk institutions will be willing to take and also the more risk investors and, and some of these large funds, whether they're pension funds or, or others, may be interested in exploring the space. Yeah, hence why I think it's definitely big, big news. Next up, we have a, a nice article from Liza Lopez of the Blockchain Land, writing an article really is a, a primer of how far things have come for real estate tokenization. So if you're a real estate tokenization enthusiast, this really this article is, is really your wet dream. With uh, It's an awesome synopsis of all great projects that have happened across the globe, lots of great reference content, predictions for 2020. If you have a few minutes and you're interested in real estate tokenization, this is a nice article to close the year with. Finally, we have an interview, actually a set of interviews with Security Token Academy's Derek Edward Schloss, who is their uh, head of director of strategy. So that, that's why this actually makes for a couple set of good interviews, both with Crowdfund Insider and Securities.io. Again, these articles, you can find them in the description uh, on the podcast below. 
And if you are, are interested, definitely go take a look at both of those. There's some really great insights to glean. They're two different sets of interviews, so the, there's really a lot to capture from both of them. And with that, Kyle, that's the end of the news section. I'm going to hand it over to you to hear the latest STOs and updates. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about some specific security tokens. It's a, it's a lighter episode here. We have a few, though. We've got updates. This one is, is just a, a little add-on to what we discussed earlier about Zien. And so Zien Energy also launched a, an issuance platform called Z-Y-E-N. I, I don't know if they're pronounced differently because Zien Energy is spelled Z-I-Y-E-N. And this issuance platform that they also launched is, is Z-Y-E-N. So I'm going to say Zien as well. Um, but the chairman, David Greenberg, was on a podcast hosted from internally through, through their network. And he discussed the, all of the possibilities for oil tokenization and the launch of their platform. And so I wanted to give a shout out to that just because it did have good insight into the direction that they're looking to take with this whole opportunity. And so if you're interested, if you, if you liked what you heard earlier, definitely go check out that podcast and, and hear a little bit more about both David Greenberg's plans as well as uh, Alistair Kathness is also, he leads that podcast himself. So both of those guys will be, will be talking about that. It's got a lot of good info in it. Definitely check it out if you have some time. Moving on to some new STOs. The first one is from Moonwhale. Moonwhale is an advisory firm that specialized in the Asian markets. They, they started in the ICO crypto space and have begun to pivot to security tokens. And they did announce that they're launching a security token offering here in the U.S., and so they're actually looking to build out an issuance and fundraising platform on top of their current advisory solutions. Unfortunately, there wasn't a ton of info regarding what that structure might look like, but Moonwell has some good clients in the Asian markets from the crypto space, and they're looking to enter both into the security token market as well as launching it here in the U.S. Moving forward, we also have Cabin, and Cabin, K-A-B-N is how that's spelled, is launching an ERC-1400 equity token. And so Cabin has developed a verifiable identity solution on the blockchain for commercial clients and consumers to allow anyone to manage your private and public data. And so this is something that this is a great blockchain use case that, that I know a lot of people got super excited for with, with the advent of all of this technology, and that's being able to hold your data in a secure place and then being able to share that with who you need to and medical professionals or the like, but being able to control that information so that you don't just have to hand it over and have them be able to share that with whoever or resell your information and things like that. So Cabin has, has created a solution for this and supposedly from what I've seen, it's already built. And now they're looking to raise a security token backed by the equity in the company and they're seeking to raise about 8 million euros for up to 39 million shares, which would value one equity share at around 21 cents euro. And so the fundraise is actually set to launch in December this, this month, so presumably in the coming week or two, and is expected to be live through February of 2020. This is according to the most recent press releases and stuff. Again, I haven't heard a lot about the actual launch of the offering, so they may have postponed a little bit. Maybe again, as we get closer and closer to the holidays, maybe it makes sense to wait till January. We'll have to see. I'll keep you updated there. But if you're interested in the solution or you want to see for yourself, definitely check out cabintoken.com. This is their specific fundraising platform, kabntoken.com. 
Finally, we've got one more. This is from Bitbond. If you remember Bitbond, they, they raised over 2 million euros this year at some point, I think earlier this year, to build a debt issuance platform where they could structure bonds. They were actually given the, the regulatory approval to move forward with that uh, through BaFin, which is the German regulators. And so they're actually putting their money where their mouth is. And so Bitbond has announced a partnership with ClickOwn to offer tokenized bonds via the Stellar blockchain. And so they're actually going to be issuing bonds backed by residential properties and providing investors with a share of the rental income of the home. So this is actually a, a strong structure. We've seen this before with Realty has multiple properties here in the US that they're selling with a very similar structure. And now Bitbond enters the fray. The difference here is that the offering is supposed to be set launch in 2020, so it, it's not live yet, and it seems to be only open to European retail investors, but a minimum investment of only 10 euros allows for some good diversification. On top of that, each originated bond is going to have its own ISIN number, which is a crucial part of, of this whole accountability standard. It's something we discussed in much more detail in episode 18. It was actually my company of the week in that episode. And so with these new bonds that they're set to launch, the interest rates are expected to be around 4 to 7% depending on the variable maturity rate. So I think that their maturity rates are somewhere from 3 to 10 years depending on the specific offering. And presumably the longer ones are going to have a little bit better of an interest rate than the shorter ones. This is also, I think, a little bit lower than what the Realty offerings were providing. I think they were, they were cracking into the double digits. So these will be less than that, but we'll have to see what those structures look like. Certainly, once they both hit live markets, we'll really be able to see how investors value each specific investment. But it's exciting. We're starting to see more and more of, of these real estate offerings popping up, and it gets me pretty excited for 2020, are we? Yeah, no kidding. I, I for sure am. I remember when Realty came out. I, I thought I was a you know you gave it your company of the week, I believe, for what they were doing. And so. this does seem very similar. And as we've been saying on the show now for a while, definitely real estate tokenization is coming. It's going to be a major, major trend in twenty twenty. It's already happening. This is just further proof in the pudding. Finally, before we break into the main topic. I'd like to go through the market update. As always, as we said before, all of our news and all of our pricing data, everything that we have here is found and sourced from STO Market. You can go to stomarket.com slash news for all of our news. And the, you know, on that site also, you can find secondary trading prices. And so we always like to start with T0 because the reality is T0 is the only live token still today that has strong daily volume. And so T0 over the last week, its price has actually been pretty consistent, which is something that's that's slightly refreshing as opposed to the last three or four weeks where it seems to be nosediving a little bit. It did dip midweek, but it picked back up and it's been holding pretty strong around that 75 cent range. And it's seeing maybe five to $10,000 in US dollars volume per day. So it's still by far the highest trading token worldwide. We don't see one that has significant daily activity. So T0 does seem to have investors that are interested. And the fact that it's holding its price is, is, is a better sign than what we've seen in weeks past. For sure. Other tokens, we've got blockchain capital is up 2% this week, but unfortunately it's got like $100 of volume this week. So it, it's up a little bit based off of previous transactions, but $100 is not really enough to make any kind of conclusions. And unfortunately everything else has been pretty stale over, over the last week. But that leaves our total security token market cap sitting at around 72.5 million US dollars. 
and we're excited about the future. As more of these real estate properties come out, as more of these offerings get live, it's only going to be better for the industry. So it's exciting. Absolutely. Thanks for that wonderful market update, Kyle. And I think with that, we can move into our main topic, the state of security tokens in 2019 here. And for those of you who are with us starting off the year, they might remember that the end of 2018 ended on a pretty high note with Open Finance becoming the first exchange trading platform to go live, listing the Spice VC fund token. Now, obviously, 2019 has seen some immense progress since that. Why don't we take a look at some of the highlights? Maybe, Kyle, you can give us a review here of the landscape today. Yeah, let's do a little review of some of the high-level landscape stuff first. So what we've got here, we've got over $10 billion in announced security token pipelines between just Bowens Group, the Gulf Families, and BPG Pactual alone. So a lot of these institutions really drive in some serious volume. We've got 14 countries that have legalized and codified rules for specifically defining security tokens. We've got four issuance companies that have registered or have received their transfer agent licenses even just here in the U.S. Over 40 different token issuance platforms located all around the world. Nine different broker-dealers that announced a specific focus on the security token space. Three major banks that have issued tokenized bonds. Those include Santander, the World Bank, and Societe Generale. To date, almost $600 million has been invested into security token infrastructure companies. This includes Bitbond, iStocks, Dharma, Figure, Upvest, Fundament Group, Open Finance, and many, many more, some of which we'll also get into later. Over 250 security tokens have launched in total and counting. More than $250 million has been estimated to be raised through security tokens. The exact number for that, obviously, is really difficult to calculate, but we used as much research as we could, and we're sitting around that number. We've got Aspen Coin, Smartland, Student Housing, Realties Properties, and maybe even Bitbond that have proved real estate demand. Three live exchanges trading at least eight tokens. A secondary market cap of $72 million with hundreds of thousands of dollars in total trading volume and over 50 additional international exchanges in the works, both here in the U.S. as well as around the world, with more than half of them expecting to go live in the first half of 2020, which is so exciting. Amazing. You know, what I, what I capture from that is the exchange market is about to 10x. We have uh, an insane amount of tokenizations coming down in the pipeline from very institutional grade issuers and we obviously have a very healthy infrastructure lots of investments lots of new companies lots of innovation and lots of different players all around the world testing things and and making security tokens happen as i always like to say 2017 was sort of the year of the the concept year for security tokens 2018 was the year these infrastructure companies came to market and raised money. 2019 is about deploying that capital and putting it to work and building out that actual infrastructure. And I think that's absolutely what's happened here today over the last year. We're, we're clearly able to see that a lot of tokenizations have occurred. A lot of STOs have successfully raised money. A lot of different infrastructure companies are trying different things. And major, major institutions are starting to take advantage of the, the technology while governments around the world are recognizing and acknowledging it. But as always, the devil is in the details. And over the, the show itself, we, we've had two companies of the week every week. You know, I think we can dwindle out of that. Some of these very, very key highlights 
and really share with our listeners, Kyle, some of the awesome things that have been happening specifically within the security token space this year. Absolutely. What's the first one on your mind? And I, I'm going to kick it off with HSBC. Okay. Uh, because they did two weeks of amazing news. The first week, they actually won your company of the week because they had announced that they were going after the $15 trillion Asian bond market with plans to do tokenization working with the Singapore exchange. And then they also, right afterwards, announced that they'll be intending to tokenize $20 billion worth of its own private placements that the, the bank also manages. Wow. So that, that's two different, actually, branches or departments within that bank, both going after the, the same use case and technology for two different asset classes in, in different geographies. So well, that shows that management of HSBC is very aligned on prioritizing security tokens and being an innovator. If they've got two different branches and two different jurisdictions with two different types of assets that they want to leverage security tokens for, it's clear that they're pretty bullish on the space. And of course, beyond, as you mentioned, the three major banks that issued their own tokenized bonds, we also have uh, recently being announced with Deutsche Bors, Swisscom, and three other banks settling securities on-chain using Corda. And we also had that news last week from Commerce Bank, Credit Suisse, and UBS successfully executing the first live transactions on the Deutsche Börse's HQLA securities lending platform. So again, major, major institutional activity happening using tokenization and distributed letter technology for securities. They can see that the efficiencies and the cost benefits, it just makes sense. And so they're, they're building, they're working. You don't necessarily see it public facing because they're trying to draw as much as much publicity away from themselves that they can just focus on getting this stuff done, focus on building the proper infrastructure and, and facilitating that moving forward. And, and it's, it's very, very exciting. And then we've even seen you know, activities to specific geographies like Japan coming out of nowhere, really in the last quarter if you, or so, if you will, uh, and really putting themselves in the forefront, both in examples of six different banks coming together and building a, a self-regulating organization specifically dedicated towards security tokens. MUFG announcing plans. MUFG is the fifth largest bank in the world. They invested in Securitize as well as uh, have their own initiatives in place, including also another initiative in Japan uh, that put together the Security Token Research Council, which will hopefully come up with a lot of very cool case studies and information for the space. We saw the Association for National Numbering Agencies, the, the ones that assign that ISIN number or QSIPs or, or, or you have it, mm -hmm. announced that they are, are looking at security tokens and seeing the need for them to track and standardize securities that are on-chain as well and separate between them. Yeah, we also see that maybe are pioneering that with Bitbond, with, with right. the, the bonds that they're making too, which is exciting. And then we, we, in my personal, one of my personal favorites, Kyle, we saw Spencer Dinwiddie announce that he's tokenizing his first, the first ever really sports finance contract, which is a $34 million NBA Nets contract that is obviously with Spencer Dinwiddie that he will be tokenizing and, and offering to, to investors. It's already been sold out. It was sold out right away. I do have to say, based off of how he's performing, it's going to be a strong investment. He's going to unlock a, a few performance incentives on that deal that, that are, are going to pay back investors in spades. So very exciting deal there. 
That one's cool also because of the, the new use case of sports finance, which really didn't really exist before this. We have the, the use case of tokenization, uh, allowing people to be exposed in, it in this way and, and the intention of making liquid. And then, of course, there was even that heat from the NBA saying, mm-hmm. hey, we don't really want this. But Spencer's saying, forget it. Uh, you have no <laughs> right to tell me I can't do it. I'm going forward with it. And he did. And he's even launching a whole platform behind it, ushering what I expect will be a, a new wave of sports finance as a result. So, again, a really cool deal. We also saw Fat uh, Burger or Fat Brands, if you will, the parent company, do a $30 million securitization backed by the franchise fees. And similarly, we saw an Italian company do out of, was it Germany? Listeria, yeah. Listeria do something very similar, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So we're seeing real use cases where these very institutional issuers, a company like Fat Brands has 200 different Fat Burger locations around LA and the United States. They easily could have gone to a bank or even the public markets to try and source this capital, and they chose to do it via a tokenization. Nothing really is more telling, I can say. We also saw Kyle merge, you know, merge the the Seychelles-based exchange, come into market trying to disrupt global capital markets and doing so by eating their own dog food, doing the first ever tokenized IPO successfully. Uh, for their very own exchange. They're still raising money, by the way. They, they reached their soft cap successfully, but if you're interested in, in participating in history, definitely go check out Merge. And we're, we're seeing a very institutional trend uh, of investing happening this year with Tokeny raising money from ICE-owned Euronext, which I believe is the, the sixth largest exchange in the world, actually. They filled a full $5 million round. Full $5 million round. It does not get more institutional as maybe perhaps this with Securitize, who already had Coinbase and Ripple as backers last year, adding Santander, MUFG, and SBI, among others. Huge, huge banks. Like, that's a big deal. The 16th and the 5th largest bank right there. Yeah, MUFG is 5th largest bank in the world. And of, of major, major things happening... Nothing potentially could be as major for blockchain as a whole as Libra coming to market. Facebook's Libra. Exactly. Facebook's Libra, right? And really bringing, as I had just highlighted earlier in the show, a lot of attention to stable coins, to security tokens, and fintech using blockchain as a whole. And of course, with that came a response. We have the the Managed Stable Coins or Securities Act of 2019. We'll see where that goes if it passes. If it does, it can certainly have a huge impact on Libra and security tokens industry in the United States alone. Uh, And so for sure, just those two alone is is very interesting. We also discussed that topic in in much more detail in an earlier episode. I think it was 18, episode 18. So if you want to check out what our thoughts are on stablecoins, is it 17? Episode 17. Definitely go check that episode out. We talk in detail about about our thoughts on whether stablecoins or securities. The answer might surprise you. Indeed. Go check that out. Next up, we also had some some news from one of, I think, one of the most iconic companies in the space globally, which is T-Zero which uh, is owned by parent company Overstock, which was really launched both initiatives by visionary Dr. Patrick Byrne, who really since even uh, 2013, really from the very beginning, has been exploring this technology and how to apply capital markets. So he's really a security token pioneer. 
And he stepped down this year or walked away from everything. Did not see that happening. You know, now he's completely out of the picture and you've got a whole new management team taking over to run the show and, and charge that vision and make it a reality. And, and of course, we're seeing that happen. Next up, we also saw Polymath do a kind of shake-up announcement, both with their own management turnover, but also by saying that they're building a whole new purpose-built blockchain called Polymesh with uh, one of the founders of Cardano. Mm-hmm. Tokensoft and Harbor both acquired and launched broker-dealers to become a goal of a one-stop shop for tokenization from issuance all the way to exchange, something that many have have thought that is a a very useful value add. And of course, Tokensoft itself won our company the week last week with Fidelity by being the first to develop one of the, what we've identified as the first tokenized employee stock option program. And finally, I think also worth noting to end the year on was the Bank of China and really China going all in on security tokens. The Bank of China tokenized recently almost $3 billion uh, bond uh, and also announced a STO framework to be launched in 2020 for, for STO. So really lots of great things happening this year, Kyle. All around the world. I think that that's the most exciting part of this whole industry is that we're, we're really taking finance and, and globalizing it. All of these banks, we're talking about Asia, we're talking about Europe, the US, Africa, everywhere around the world from every corner of the earth, you're seeing businesses raising capital, businesses exploring how to create a, a global financial market. It's incredibly exciting. And, and as you said, I think you, you, I couldn't have said it better myself, but 2018 was, was raising a lot of capital, 2019 was deploying it and making these headlines, and 2020 is when a lot of these products are going to be ready to go, and we're all going to be able to work together. That's the hope, and maybe you'll get to hear a little bit more about that in next week's episode. I think without a doubt, after we, what we've heard today, Kyle, security tokens are cemented into history. There's no signs of it slowing down. There's no signs of it going anywhere. Success is happening And like you said, next episode, actually, it's going to be our last episode of the year. So we'll finish off on some predictions and some expectations for 2020. So please join us in not next week, but a week after for that final episode of the year. And of course, as always, you can find uh, and reach out to us either on Twitter or LinkedIn, Kyle Sondland, Herwig Konings, or of course, find any of the content and articles that we talked about today in the description of the podcast from wherever you're listening to it. Thanks again for tuning in and listening. Talk to you next episode. Thanks.